0: Welcome back to the EDM Podcast. My name is Connor O'Brien. If you're new here, this is a show where we interview artists, producers, and industry experts, really anyone who we feel can help you grow as a music producer. This week, I sat down to chat with producer Nerko. Now, Nerko has released on Armada, Proximity, and Trap Nation, and he has high-profile remixes for artists like Morgan Page, Lost Kings, and Dabin'. Now, I was excited to have Nurko on this podcast because I would say most artists either focus on more of the sound design aspect of music or more on the songwriting, and if you're familiar with Nurko's music, he's strong on both of these fronts. With that, he has a ton of valuable advice to share in this episode, and we cover a lot in this interview. We start off with his background in music, talking about how he discovered the distinct sound that his project has. One of the most common struggles that I see intermediate producers run into is trying to find a unique sound and style. Nerko and I talk about this for a while, so if you're somebody that struggles with this, there is a ton of valuable advice for you in this episode. On the production side of things, we dive deep into Nerko's workflow and layering process. If you've listened to his music, you know he's got these really big wall of sound exciting drops. We spend a while talking about how he builds these, how he finds the right layers for his drops, what he does to make them more exciting, and how he adds all of these different layers without muddying up the mix. He also offers his best advice for newer producers, talking about what helped him accelerate his growth at the start. We wrapped up this interview talking about Nerco's newest single called If It Isn't You, which was just released today on Proximity. I'll play you a preview of that track as we slide into the interview, and as always, I will link to it in the show notes. With that, let's get to the interview. Here's the EDM Podcast with Nerco. Welcome back to the EDM Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jack Leach, who releases under the name NERCO. Jack, how are you doing today? Doing good. How are you guys? Not too bad. So to start, I'd love to learn a bit about your background with music. You can go back as far as you'd like, but I'd love to learn what got you into music and more specifically, music production. Um, So
1: I started out really just, actually, I started out on the drums, uh, just as a, uh, a little kid, I started just. Uh, my dad played. You know, he plays the guitar and all these, all the, all kind of rock music and stuff like that. And um, so I I started learning the drums, and then as time moved on, um, I started to play learn the piano, and um, I, so I come from like a bit of a I guess a musical family. So yeah, I, from a young age, kind of sort of learning different instruments, and then as far as production goes, um, that started I would say like. Five, four five years ago kind of like seriously um okay where um I think I I went to just like a, a concert uh I forget who it was I think it was um oh believe it or not it was that it was this um group Spongle you ever heard of them yeah yeah <laughs> yeah very different than the stuff I make I, I went to one of their shows in New York and it was like I after I saw their, their show and just like experienced it I was just like I kind of really want to just like, produce music and that's when I like started to like seriously learn everything and you know I guess start the journey of music production from there.
0: Where were you in life at that point like were you in school? Um, yeah,
1: Let me think yeah yeah I was in Um, I think it was like the first year or right before the first
0: year of college okay so um, yeah I was like senior in high school, I believe. So kind of when you got started there, was the idea of doing music just a fun thing for you? Was it a hobby or did you have kind of bigger aspirations when you started to dive deeper into it in college? Um, when I first started, it was
1: kind of, you know, I just, uh, you know, it was it was just a, kind of a hobby um, as I didn't really, it was, it was before NERCO and it was before any of the, any. I was still kind of learning everything and and I didn't really want to put that much pressure on myself so I just you know messed around and then as time moved on I kind of learned more and I started to fall more and more in love with it and then I was just like turned into my absolute passion and then I just you know it kept growing and then that's when I was like this is actually not just a hobby this is kind of what I want to do you know what I want to do for the Probably the rest of uh, my life, I guess, until um as long as possible.
0: Was that? Um, did that happen while you were in school? Like, um, it's always interesting for me to hear about what that process was like for people when that switch kind of flipped, where they're like, "Hey, this is something that I might want to be doing for at least an extended period of time."
1: Yeah, it did happen while I was in school, while I was in uh, college, and you know, I, I I had a double major, and but music Oof. was part of my major. Luckily, so I was able to at least study music as well i was all the other I was the double major of cognitive science and music so cognitive science completely nothing to do with any of that yeah um but um yeah no i was i was studying music as well and but yeah i always i always had to kind of like study for the exams of uh, like all the other classes that didn't have to do with music and the whole time i would just w- wish that i was making music like all you know but I would make it work I would um yeah I would definitely definitely time management when you're in school it's it's important to kind of make the time to do what you love but also if you're studying you still gotta you know do the other stuff as well until you're at that point
0: yeah did you end up graduating
1: oh uh, yeah yeah I graduated and then you know I had I had my degree but I didn't pursue anything with cognitive science because the music kind of started to get like more and more, more and more real in my career. And I would just like, I'm just going full force at this. I'm not going to, I don't want to like be an old man, look back and be like, uh, I should have probably just did the music. So no, I, um, I'm not doing anything right now related to my main major.
0: So deciding to kind of pursue music full-time after school, was that a tough decision for you? Or was that just like the logical one? If it's not now, then when?
1: Yeah, it was a tough decision because when you graduate from um, college, you're kind of like, you're, you're so used to having to study for exams and have this system. And then all of a sudden you're graduating, you're just like, that's it. And you're like, all right, you can either go to graduate school or you can just start your life. And um, so I, I kind of had the I had a lot of uh, pressure to like find a job or what do I want to do? But I, I just, I just, I was just thinking like, all right, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do what I love. I'm just going to do music right now. Um, you know, I'm young. I'm not gonna, I don't want to regret it when I'm later. Something my heart, my heart would just tell me just like, you have to do kind of what you are like. I, I just feel like music is like my, like kind of like my purpose I guess. Yeah. I know that sounds kind of cliche but <laughs> um yeah like I I was like I would hate myself if I didn't if I didn't like do this I would not I don't know what I would be doing right now.
0: What did your friends and family think of that? It's always interesting when people make that decision. I think um a lot of people are very supportive because they want you to succeed and a lot of people think it's dumb because music is in the greatest industry to get into. So I'm curious about that.
1: Oh yeah, um well luckily my my parents are actually, uh, they're both artists. Like, um, so they also live this a different kind of lifestyle that's in the creative realm. So they they like, yeah, they, they it's it's also a tough industry for them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they're just like, yeah, be careful, be weary, but they support supported 100, and they they want me to do well with with uh, music. And then yeah, my friends actually pretty much. I don't think that there's anybody that doesn't support it. Um and then actually a lot of my friends are actually creative as well in, in different ways um yeah. and they're part of they're actually part of the the team as, right now. Um as far as creative content and How so? Um well one one guy um he is the kind of the photo guy and then he's he does the you know a lot of the post-processing videos and and um, like the previews and the music videos, all that stuff is um, actually the two, two guys I, I work with who are also two of my best friends, which mm-hmm. is very, very lucky to have that. Um, so I don't have, to, I'm not uh, very grateful. I don't have to pay, pay them. Um, one day I want to, I always offer, but they're like, no, oh, no, no. You know, but yeah, so I definitely, Haven't had any issues with, um, support, but I can see how some people don't have that support system with Mm -hmm. music because it is very, uh, it's not like a nine to five career job that is guaranteed a paycheck, uh, this, uh, every two weeks, whatever. Um, so I definitely can see how it's, it can be, um, tough on some people with regarding support.
0: So kind of moving back to when you were in college, you know, you spent a few years getting better at production while you're in school. I'd like to learn more about what that environment was like for you. Did you have people around you that were helping you with production, like any mentors, anything like that? And kind of where were you going to get better? Um, So, I mean, like while I was in college, um,
1: you know, essentially like I, I, I always treated music like it was just another, like... Besides the music I had to do for college, um, I always treated it like it was just another class I had. Yeah. Like, um, I didn't have any uh, really anybody that was mentoring me as far as somebody I can like sit with and learn from. I kind of just used um, all the resources of the internet, really. Mm -hmm. Um, So, started out with, you know, YouTube, basically, like YouTube has everything you really want to know you can find. But then there's also, The course is like um, Lynda.com is probably my main thing to be honest. Um, That's where I like started learning the DAW was was um, all through Lynda.com, and then there's uh, Udemy. I don't know if it's Udemy or Udemy. I'm not sure. I say Udemy, Um, but I don't know if it's right. Yeah, Udemy. They they have pretty they have great stuff. So um, it was all yeah it was all done on just my computer and learning
0: and kind of taking notes you know as much as you can yeah so what was that process like um the first release that i can see for your nerco project was cloud nine kind of when did that come in your production growth slash career Oh, cloud nine um yeah that was that was that was
1: one of the i had some before that but uh the cloud nine was was um I guess kind of influence from the music that I, I listened, I was listening to at the time and that that I was still like learning at that point. Um, yeah. I've, I've, I'm always learning, like I'm still learning right now, but then I was still, um, I was, it was kind of like an experiment I guess where yeah. I was like listening yeah. to progressive house and then also listening to trap. So I guess I infused it into this song looking back on that song. it's That's definitely not my, <laughs> not my favorite, but, um, it, it was there. So, yeah. um, yeah, I was, it was, it was a little earlier on in my uh, learning process. You can say,
0: do you feel like if that's not one of your more favorite songs, do you feel like you had more of like a breakthrough song with your project that, you know, got your career going and maybe gave you a little bit more confidence that this is something that you can genuinely do as a career?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, it was actually, um, a little, I think it was before cloud nine. It was, um, the song goodbye. Okay, it was like the first song where I kind of had it. I used kind of emotion and it, it stuff stuff that was going on in my life at the time, and um, you know, I I made the song very feelsy, and it, it, it I started to notice that I, I'm pretty good at making stuff that's sad and emotional <laughs> instead of like before that I was making like harder stuff and messing around with like dubstep and moon baton, believe it or not, um, <laughs> all this like club stuff and yeah. then I started yeah. to make I made that song and then I noticed that after that I started to get like people reaching out for management and and stuff like that so I was like uh oh, I really like making the feelsy stuff and that's and since then that's kind of all I've been doing
0: it's interesting I think it's always interesting for me to hear how people kind of found their emotional blueprint with their project like our last podcast was with Black City and that's kind of his brand more the like emotional kind of like techie side of electronic music. And I think it's a really important lesson for people to like really think about the emotion and mood of the music they might want to make, even if they're inspired by like heavier dubstep doesn't necessarily mean that's like the right style for them to make. So I think it's cool that you kind of like meandered and that also seems like it naturally came to you. Like people just responded to it.
1: Yeah, you want it's like you every every producer that somewhere find their they find their neat their niche um, and kind of uh it sometimes it takes a lot of soul searching and experimenting but eventually it, it kind of just falls into place i yeah. guess um yeah. and yeah that was that was definitely where i um where i landed just making stuff that kind of was was feelzy and and sad and happy too but you yeah, know, more like just like melodic bass chord progressions and and i still listen to i actually listen to a lot the stuff i listen to is is not really, like obviously the stuff I listen to it has is similar to my genre. But I also listen to other, other kinds of electronic music, as far as that have absolutely nothing to do with what I make. Like, you know, like Zomboy and crazy bass music, um Skrillex. You know, all that good stuff. Yeah,
0: but yeah, no, it's interesting, definitely. Like, it's it doesn't sound like it was an intentional thing for you that that kind of became the sound and style that you gravitated towards more than anything fans ended up gravitating towards i think a lot of people myself included kind of try to force a certain sound with their project but it seems like in your experience just producing a bunch of different genres and then one of them naturally just kind of cut through that you liked and also people responded to so you have a chance at getting more of a fan base going there
1: yeah exactly it was all it was all about just experimenting and it did take quite a long time to find um, so you have to be patient. Uh, I think it took probably over I think like a year or two, or even two years yeah. to just kind of like find what I really had a, I guess a, a skill for. And then also what I enjoy making because there's, there's some, I would think that there's like music that people are really good at making, but they might not enjoy it. Yeah. Um, And then yeah, that can make, the, eventually that's going to come around to you start hating it and you start, Just not having good time, and at the end of the day, if you if you love music production, you want it to be fun, Mm -hmm. and that's that's the main goal, I guess. Yeah, just have fun and make what you love.
0: Absolutely. So, kind of moving over into production, there's a lot that I want to dive into, but I think a good starter question is always just kind of what does the start of your production workflow look like in terms of you know like the first hour to two hours of starting a track.
1: Um. Usually, it's a it's. I, I usually start with a chord progression okay. um so like I'll, I'll build chords and then once you have a good chord progression that you like um it's pretty easy to build everything around that because uh chord progressions are kind of what um they they portray the most emotion in my opinion yeah. um, as far as like a broad um you know it's not a melody because once you have a melody that's kind of like the theme of the the whole song but a chord progression you can kind of do whatever you want with and then that can inspire drums and then that can inspire um, a melody around the chord progression and that's kind of where the song just starts um would just be a messing around with chords and then eventually uh yeah eventually just build the song from there but um a lot of times lately, it's been with just the singer. Yeah, I like to start with top lines instead of making the song, and then have a top line after. Uh, I something about just like a good vocal, um, just inspires the
0: whole song to just kind of flow and come together pretty well. It seems like the uh, majority of the music has vocals on it, and I think we get this question a lot, so I'm curious, kind of how that process works in terms of you getting original vocals for your music. Is that you reaching out to people, people reaching out to you? I'm sure it's changed over time, but kind of what does that process look like at least now? Oh uh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely changed over time. When it
1: first started, was yeah, I would I would kind of search and like find vocalists that I like, and then I would just kind of reach out and ask if they wanted to work on anything. And at that point, it was definitely more uh, me having a song already made like an instrumental yeah. and then I kind of send it to them and they would see if they wanted to go on it. And it was just like a lot of reaching out messaging. Um, and you know, singers are they'll, a lot of, they love to work with producers, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, just kind of, I kept, I would just ask as many as I can that I liked and a lot of them would just not answer at first and then some would answer. I mean, you just kind of have to, search but then now it's it's more um i guess it's kind of more the uh, the other way where vocalists are kind of reaching out to me and yeah. um i i'm like trying to find i find the ones that work and then a lot of them are top lines that are already made yeah. um which are which is great because if you find a good one you don't really have to wait on them to record and you don't have to wait on uh edits and all that stuff um but you know, it's it's still a mix of everything. It's still a mix of me finding vocalists and reaching out to them. It's them coming out coming to me, um, and vice versa. But yeah, it's the vocalist can make the process a little unfortunately yeah. longer because you have to. Yeah. A lot of it is waiting on them and kind of in their hands for a time for a period of time. Um, so that's the one. I guess. Downside of if you want to get a song just done, a lot of times vocalists can obviously they need to do their thing mm-hmm. and take time to make it good as well. Um, so it makes the process a little longer, but I think it's it's
0: definitely worth yeah. it. I think it's also important to go back to that's kind of what you want with your music. It sounds like you want to have vocals featured, and if it's going to take a little longer, that's just part of the process.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, you know, obviously, hopefully, luckily, some of them already made and it doesn't take that much time but there's times when you know you you wait like a month for them to give you something and then finally when they give you something you're like oh you know this can change this can edit this can be changed yeah. and then wait for that and then yeah it's for my music it's definitely important um i do plan on making more songs just without vocals mm-hmm. um because i, I kind of miss doing that yeah you know i haven't done that in a little bit now where I kind of, I think I, start, I started with just instrumentals and, I don't, and then now it's like every song I have has a vocalist on, so.
0: Always good to change things up. Yeah, definitely switch things up. So a follow-up question that I have that I think people yell at me if I don't ask you is your approach to kind of building out the layers and fullness for your drops. I think there's a lot to kind of talk about there, but first off, do you have any thought process or approach when you're trying to build out all the different layers that go into one of your kind of bigger drop sections. I've seen your project files, and there's a whole lot that goes into them. So, talk about what your kind of workflow and thought process is when you're building out that big of a drop.
1: Um, yeah, so the it's definitely it's definitely you want to fill the entire frequency spectrum. If you if like before, older projects, before I really knew what I was doing, I would I would notice there would be a lack of high end and a lack of sub or a lack of low mids. So when you're, when you're building the big, like the big drops with all the saw stacks and pads and all that stuff, yeah. um, you want to use elements that fill out like the, 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 sub, the base, the low mids, mids, high mids, and then highs just like very, um, kind of equally in there. And, it, it, it all honestly it's a huge pain <laughs> to be honest um, because yeah. it, it's hard to the, those big sacks at this as, as full as they sound there it's also very easy for them to take up the take up headroom and fight for frequencies and every everything going at the same yeah. time but so um, yeah it's when you're done making it and it sounds good it's it's great but there's plenty of times when it's just like you notice things are piercing and so it's it's a very mix it's mix wise it's it's tough yeah. but um, yeah. but yeah you but it's it's when you do it long enough you kind of notice what frequencies tend to clash um, and yeah so my thought process is just definitely to try and fill out the frequency spectrum as much as you can because that's kind of what that full sound <laughs> is is the every part of the frequency spectrum from uh 20 hertz or i mean yeah like 20 hertz all the way up to twenty thousand is just like filled out to your ears just hear that fullness and you don't really know the listener doesn't really know exactly why it's not so full but then looking at an analyzer you see that it's just like because every single part of the spectrum is filled out you get that effect of the full fullness what do you do
0: when you have that many layers and stacks to avoid frequency clashing is it just eq carving out space for everything or is there anything more that goes into making sure every area is full but it doesn't get really overly messy um
1: yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of eqing um one of the things i i tend to struggle with even still is the whole um less is more um aspect because that really is um that really is important because when you have too much even the even EQ and when you have too many layers it's still going to just um you'll get phasing issues and um but yeah it's a lot of as far as the besides the less is more it's um more re- it's honestly more reductive EQ and I never really I rarely do um I do I still do additive mm-hmm. EQ but it's the As far as the layering goes, it's pretty much all reductive EQ and finding frequencies that just one are annoying on their own. But then when it's layering, you kind of have to pick a sound that's, um, you know, you pick a sound, see where the fundamental frequencies are for the for that sound, and then go to another sound and carve that frequency out so the other one can shine. Um, But it's also a lot of stereo imaging, um, which is a also very important so there's plugins where you can have one one sound kind of sitting in the in the center and then another one that's wider so it kind of gives the other one room um so there's a lot of great plugins for that as well um stereo imaging and then compression i guess um for kind of making things sound like they're in the back of the mix versus the front of the mix um then there's like the, the spatial plugins like reverb, but not really reverb in terms of like those big halls and like or just reverb for like ambience yeah. and like room reverbs to kind of yeah. have things sound like they're in a in the same space that helps the kind of reverb where you don't even really notice it's there, yeah. but it's it's there and yeah. it makes things sound a little less um flat and more there's more depth but it's I not guess. washed out. Yeah, reverb and delay, like just like more as a mixing tool than a kind of a, an effect.
0: So, I think a lot of people, when they're going for kind of the melodic style of music that you have, struggle to make their drops sound as unique as um, kind of artists in your space. And I think a lot of that is they don't know what to do beyond just supersaws. Like, they get it, big supersaws is going to fill out a mix, but they don't do a lot on top of that to add more interesting and unique sounds. So, what do you do beyond you know big saws to kind of make your drops more interesting and have a bit more character than just some detuned saws out of Serum?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, so all the the super saws are just really um, for me. It's just they're just background yeah. elements. They're not really the forefront. Um, so it's definitely the what's the the main thing in the drops for me is just the the leads and the the vocal chops and the ambience. Um, the kind of serve as the the forefront yeah. for the melody um yeah. so definitely it's definitely choosing um leads that kind of stick yeah. out but also at the same time kind of mix with the chords. so it's like that's what that you get that whole stack feeling and wall of sound yeah. i guess um yeah um definitely just think of it as like a, a rock like any like rock song when you hear like those big power chords and guitars. you'll usually hear like either a singer on it or you'll hear um a melody on top of it and if they didn't have the um if they didn't have the singer or the melody on top of it, it would kind of just be like a big chord progression, and that's yeah. not really what people will yeah. remember and that's not what sticks in people's head it's 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 more of a the chords are just like the background element the support for the melody and the the lead elements yeah. um so yeah i i rarely ever just have chords playing as the the drop you want to definitely have a melody because a melody is like probably the most in, in melodic music it's probably the most important thing you can you can have and if you don't have a melody then it's just kind of there's it's not going to be remembered really by anybody just cuz it's just a chord progression and chord progressions are recycled they are used hundreds of times by by uh pretty much everybody
0: i feel like a big thing that i hear a lot of producers kind of trying to produce more melodic music forget about are those more background like kind of ambience elements especially when you get those more like sustained tones and sustained notes that just ride over everything um i can definitely hear that in your music is there anything else that I don't know. It's not necessarily like a secret to your drops, but things kind of like that that took you a while to get a handle on that are really important to achieving kind of that big full mix. Um, as far as my like sauce, I guess the sauce stacks go definitely.
1: Believe it or not, but my my um the sauce stacks I have are um I don't think there's one serum element in them um, which is which yeah. is pretty interesting. Um, I don't. I, It's all, it's all silent and it's all massive. And I think in the base, there's some serum, but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not really the, just the sauce stacks. It's like the, um, the ambient layers. Um, and it's, it's kind of music. It's like a little bit of music theory as well. Um, say you're in a, you're playing in a minor key and then you want to add like this like you said, that ambient layer of like the the mm-hmm. tone of that kind of just like yeah sustains. Um, for yeah. example, you would you would you if you're playing in a a minor key, the sustained tone would be in the uh the mate the um the six, which is like the yeah. major key, the relative the relative key, and um, play that note, and you kind of it it will kind of match every single chord change and that kind of gives this this drone kind of yeah. feeling um, and yeah. so yeah it, it would be a mix of like music theory and and the ambience and then also kind of um, a dedicated um, white noise which is you don't notice it but it's like a lot of the a lot of times I'll, I'll high pass a lot of the saws and just have this white noise play and it kind of just fills out the the high hand high end a lot better if you just a lot better than just all these saws competing and clashing and sounding kind of phasey but yeah it's it's um it's a mix of the those ambient layers the white noise and just um picking good good sounds like good leads that kind of mix with the the chords and don't like take up too yeah. much headroom. Yeah, it's definitely a pain. It's it's it sucks to have to when you're when you're producing to think too much into mixing, um, but you kind of yeah. have to because a lot of times sounds will sound good, but mix wise they'll cause like problems. So you kind of have to think about that while you're producing mm-hmm. this kind of music um, when you're because it's just so yeah. many layers and. that's tough to mix.
0: So kind of listening back to your discography, I feel like the production pretty quickly got a lot better. So I'm interested to hear if looking back, are there any techniques or concepts that you feel like really helped you level up your production? You know, we've got a lot of more intermediate producers listening to this podcast that are looking for those things that'll kind of take them to that next level. So was there anything, whether it was like a mindset shift or maybe a certain tool or technique that kind of helped you break through that wall? to get to the point of, you know, the sound of music that you have right now?
1: Um, it was definitely a lot of um, trial and error and just um, what's, I guess what's made my music change over time is just kind of constantly producing and constantly yeah. learning. And um, you kind of get, kind of learn from yourself. You learn from mistakes and you learn from, just other other people's music and then it's like a mix of all that put together and over time just everybody's gonna if you stick stick at it and you keep learning constantly and never really stop learning never really stop tutorials never stop studying what other producers that you admire are doing um just if you keep doing it you're only got to get better and it definitely takes time but it will it will happen if you stick at it and you of force yourself to just like you know watch tutorials watch read about everything yeah um it's just like any skill the more you practice it and the more you study it the better you're gonna be um so yeah it's important to to definitely just keep learning and keep uh studying um and also as far as creativity goes sometimes it's if you have cre- creative blocks yeah. and you you just can't get anything you like it's good to just step back and instead of um one thing i do if i'm having creative block i'll just stop what i'm doing and watch tutorials and just learn and just experiment and on that topic and do nothing else and that kind of yeah. helps sometimes um that's what helped me yeah. definitely yeah no it is it, that's it's definitely important to learn and um kind of just keep going as far as pretending you're just like never really worked on music before and you're kind of for the first time just learning everything that that's just that's for me that's really fun I love learning and I love learning new things so
0: it definitely helps me is there anything else in terms of kind of like workflow you said you mentioned that um, you've got that one technique that you use when you deal with creative block. I feel like you release a ton of music. So I'm curious if there's anything else that you feel helps you stay productive and efficient in the studio, whether it's like a, you know, daily habit that you do, anything else like that, that kind of makes it so you're as prolific as you are.
1: Um, Honestly, not, I don't, I don't, really, yeah, just kind of every day, just like work on music and kind of try and set deadlines. Uh, I use like a whiteboard to kind of, i'll 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 have like a whiteboard and say this i'll put the dates i kind of want to finish them um and you kind of go by that obviously you don't want it to be too strict because then it becomes like a job like it's a job but you don't want to feel like you're working a nine-to-five nine-to-five job and and then the creativity kind of feels forced so it's, it's important to find that balance but um yeah, it's just working constantly in the studio, um, and the more you learn and the more you kind of find your um, your style that you like, the kind of faster the yeah. songs come, um, and yeah, I used to take a lot longer to finish music, but now it's, it's become yeah. faster and faster, and sometimes it all varies, sometimes it's slower, depending on the song, but yeah it's um it's a lot of time management, I guess is yeah. an important aspect.
0: so I'm sure like most artists, you get sent a ton of demos and you're like email sound all that good stuff. Do you feel like with that music that gets sent to you, there's any consistent problems that you're hearing when you get sent kind of more intermediate music that you think you could offer some advice on
1: uh yeah actually it's a, a lot of it is about um kind of the stuff you already brought up um, yeah. a lot of a lot of the drops are kind of missing the the element of a melody that you can remember and um a lot of them is just like the saw stacks by just by themselves um or they'll be like a melody that's over the saw stacks but they don't really um doesn't really mix so it, it it's a lot of um yeah. just sound choices issues where um you know some sounds sound great on their own, but mixed with other ones they don't work, so it's important to kind of yeah. experiment and find sounds that together work very well um, so that's some of the issues I've noticed, but yeah, any other issues um I would say that's the main the main thing right there is just like the lack of yeah. of um a melody that kind of works with the chords. In the drops, but yeah, no. Um, any uh, there's not really other issues. I'll I get a lot of demos that I I try and give feedback on as much as I can. i even though I'm like really busy and slammed, I'll, I'll I'll definitely try and give feedback as much as I can. Yeah, because that's gonna what that's what helped trees. me um, with feedback, and sometimes it sucks to hear, but it, it's important, you know.
0: Question that I kind of like always asking is. At this point in your career, what do you feel like is the most challenging thing that you face right now as an artist? Hmm. Um,
1: I guess it's the pressure, I would say, is the the bigger you, the bigger you get and the more, uh, important things are. So like, I'm now I'm the, the, the more and more traction I gain, the, the, um, more people expect, I guess, which is a very common um a very common issue artists have especially like artists that are a lot bigger than me where they make an album and it's like amazing um like they make their first album and it's amazing but then like after that there they have this pressure of like it has to be just as good or better and that's that kind of can affect the um creative process because you're constantly thinking is this better than before is this better mm-hmm. is, this, is this as good and before, whereas before you just kind of had fun and didn't really think about what people are going to think about it and when you make something good um once you get more traction you kind of have this pressure from like management to hold a certain quality that's a lot of times is it's not forced you can't really force that stuff but yeah. in a way you kind of have to and that's kind of that's like my biggest issue i would say is is kind of making everything as good as certain other songs um where like sometimes creative block happens and then it happens to everybody and yeah um, it definitely affects um, the process sometimes so it's important to, I guess, kind of step back and just think about what you're doing and that you're doing it for fun. And like, obviously, I'm not doing this just for fun, but at the end of the day, that's yeah. what I love doing. So I kind of treat it like I'm just having fun and enjoying it. And that's important because if you're not enjoying it, then your music is mm-hmm. not it's just going to translate
0: in, into that and not really as it's not going to have the same soul and I'm- Kind of on that, I'm curious what you do, at least at this point in your career, to continue to stay motivated and inspired. I think, um, you know, when somebody's been producing for a lot of years, like I've been producing for about six years, and it's always important for me to keep filling what I call like my well of inspiration to make sure that I'm putting in the hours necessary to get where I want with production. You've been, you know, releasing, you've been on this project for about four years, I'm sure producing for more. At this point, what do you do to make sure that you're kind of staying motivated and inspired? based off those you know those kind of initial feelings that got you into production in the first place
1: um, it's uh, it's definitely just like listening to uh, for me it's it's just listening to other artists that are making similar stuff that you really like and i noticed like if i will like listen to that for like an hour or so before and just kind of draw maybe on a drive or something or on a walk after you listen to it you kind of i noticed that i start to just naturally make the music that i just was listening to Um, yeah and that that definitely helps is just feeling inspired from the music you were just kind of listening to yeah um so that's like one aspect definitely and then um that kind of mindset of having fun is important because like i've done like other i've done other jobs besides like the my music production where I'll, i'll like mix for other people or um help them with like arrangement and that's definitely like i notice a completely different kind of mindset where i'm just like Mm -hmm. this is a job and uh, um this is work this is like a work this is work and i noticed that even just like that mindset where i'm like this isn't my music and it's not like fun i noticed that the process just isn't as an enjoyable but i definitely do it because you know it's for It's still, it's still music related, but yeah, that mindset is a pretty important factor, definitely, of just like have fun, enjoy it. It's what you love doing. Don't Mm -hmm. like, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Don't, don't think about what other people are going to think about it. That you do it for you, and then that kind of just when you have that mindset, that kind of just things flow better.
0: So, a question that I want to ask you is, I feel like the kind of the economy for remixes has changed over the past five years as SoundCloud has developed. And like with that, what you see artists doing at the start is kind of shifted in terms of remixes versus originals. I would say more so than most of the artists that I follow, you do more remixes than the average. So I'm curious, is that an intentional part of the process for you? Where does remixing kind of fit into what you're doing with your project in terms of the direction and kind of growing it?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm right now I'm kind of stepping a little bit back from remixing and folks and more on originals. I still have quite a lot of remixes, Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, um, some of the remixes, it all depends. Some of them are just songs that really, I love. And I kind of like, was like, Oh, I I would love to remix this just because I like the original so much. And it inspires me and I can do so much with, but then other times they were kind of like, I guess like, obviously like all of them i kind of enjoyed i have to i have to enjoy the original before i make a remix but a lot of times they they are used as more of like uh i guess like a marketing strategy almost yeah. um on a few of them um because like you know it's it's uh you, you take a song that's a big hit and then when you remix it if it does well people are more likely to listen to it because they they already enjoy the original so much Um, so that's kind of what happened with the, um, without me remix from Mm -hmm. Halsey. Um, I did it, like we did that remix kind of like right when the song was released, the original. Yeah, Yeah. And that kind of helped a lot because people were already listening to that song. So it was, it kind of just skyrocketed that, that song was a big, um, big opener, I guess for other doors yeah um it all depends some some of the remixes are official remixes where like an artist will hit you up and ask you to kind of do your thing on it, and sometimes it's me being inspired by just a song and wanting to remix it, and then sometimes it's a mix of me being inspired, but also trying to do it at a good time where the original is kind of hot and it's on the charts and yeah that that's definitely good for growing you're kind of getting, I guess, recognized. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's always helpful to be in there quick and to attach your name to a name that people know and are more likely to click on.
1: Yeah. And a lot of like big artists you think of right now kind of got their career really skyrocketed from a remix um, of like a big song. I think like, like seven lines is like that. Yeah. And then also um, like, is it Jai Wolf or J Wolf? I don't. I never knew how to say his. I say Jai Wolf, but yeah, he he just kind of remixed one of Swirlix's songs that wasn't like going to even be on the remix package. And then Swirlix heard it and was like, "Oh my god, I have to add this." And then literally since then, since that remix, he that started his entire career of where he is right now. I think uh, I think Zed as well had a uh, started from a remix. There's so many artists. I I have to probably do a little more research on it, but but yeah, it's a it's a great great um great way to start, but it's also there's no guarantee that it's really going to do anything as well.
0: Yeah. And in the meantime, you're still pushing through a lot of your own originals in the meantime. I think that's always kind of the balance to have those remixes to kind of bring people to your brand, but then originals are what is going to get labels and promoters excited, and hopefully you know fans to connect with that original music yeah
1: exactly exactly
0: um no i I agree it's definitely
1: kind of a mix of you want to try and do remixes, but also don't you don't want to become like a remix artist where like everything you do is a remix, and yeah that's all people
0: think of so it's definitely an imbalance it's definitely a balance you need to. Have. yeah i think there's very few people that can pull off the like remix only artists nowadays like i think rehab is one of those people that you see as kind of quote unquote the remix artist, at least for like kind of pop edm crossovers but yeah you always want to be careful of having too many on your profile
1: yeah yeah exactly there's a lot of artists that are in that in that realm but a lot of times it's also a good way of of marketing i guess where you you start out as a remix artist where everything you're doing is a remix and you're building and building and then once you get that name and get the recognition then you, since people are listening then you move to originals and it's a good way of yeah kind of getting your foot in the door I guess.
0: So we've got a lot of kind of newer producers listening to this podcast. What advice would you give to somebody that's just kind of getting started with production to give them, you know, the best mindset and kind of plan moving forward to succeed with production?
1: I think the most important thing for me when I first started was just like learning, um, and experimenting Mm -hmm. definitely. But it's, it's kind of a, it's a slow process, unfortunately, but it's definitely worth it. But yeah, it's, I, I think the most important thing is just like taking the steps to learn everything and then listening to, artists that you really like and kind of try and not copy them, but kind of like, I guess, replicate what they're doing and kind of switching it into your own style. There's so many things I can think (laughs) of, but that's just like the first thing that comes to my head.
0: Yeah. There's a lot. It's very overwhelming to start for producers. So there's a lot to get into,
1: but yeah, I would say tutorials are the, the most important thing. There's really no, you can mess with it and, without tutorials, then you can learn it that way as well but for me i, I when i had i like got structure and a um kind of like almost like a lesson plan the way that these websites make it kind of makes it a lot
0: faster yeah. and thorough so i want to talk about your new release if it isn't you which is dropping today on proximity i played people preview of it in the intro but talk a bit about how that track came to be it's a really awesome track um
1: yeah uh, essentially um, that track i'm i'm really excited about it it's probably one of my favorite tracks i've ever made to be honest um it was actually from a it all started on instagram actually <laughs> this this guy his name is on um, the singer braden keller and he he just hit me up on instagram and it was like hey i have you know some i love your stuff i, I have this vocal if you want to like listen to it and i listened to it and a lot of times with vocalists either you some of them are just not your style or not very good but that i was actually kind of like i was like shocked i was like this is like really good um and it definitely can there's some edits we can make and blah 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 but the foundation was like great and inspired the inspired the entire song um so yeah i um it all started with the vocal and that inspired me to build the the chords the melody and then the eventually the drop and then the whole song just kind of flew together very very fast which is always a good that's like a good good thing when you don't have that kind of creative block where oh, i can't yeah. think of a drop i can't think of yeah. a melody it kind of just flew together and that's when i knew that it was like this is kind of special because i've i've had that happen before but when whenever that happens the song just tends to come out a lot better when yeah. things just like almost like you're not even producing it. It just like kind of magically mm-hmm. came together it's weird, but yeah, no, that's, that's kind of how that came to be. It was all from just the vocal with Brayden.
0: Sweet. Um, well to kind of wrap things up outside of that, what's going to be coming up for you in the next like three to six months? Um, so, you know, obviously a lot
1: of, a lot of music is I'm constantly in the studio producing, but, um, yeah, I have, um, this original coming out and then I have a lot of actually more, a little more remixes I'm working on. And these are for artists that asked me to do the, to, yeah. to remix them, um, than some other originals I'm working on. Um, some, we're working on getting some more shows and I have some, so a lot of stuff that I want to announce, but <laughs> I haven't quite yet. Um got the uh, green light yeah. to announce yet but a lot of good stuff is kind of coming out so I'm, I'm really excited for the 2020 because it seems like it's going to be a, a fun year
0: sweet well with that we'll wrap things up for this episode you can find nerco's music in the description of this podcast so definitely go give that a listen as this is just about over jack's been great chatting with you and appreciate you being on the show
1: yeah thanks a lot man thanks for having me appreciate it